Hey, everybody. We're in the midst of a few months of focusing on movement skills for climbers. But honestly, I'm not happy with just putting more info out there. So we're making an effort to not only collect the dots, but to connect the dots. And the main place I'm doing that is in our monthly newsletter, The Current. Once a month in your inbox, you'll get not a sales email, but my recent light bulb moments or interrogations of how we've always done things and what we could maybe be doing better. You'll also get the dots connected for you between all of the podcast episodes, blog posts, YouTube videos, and more so that together we can learn, grow, and excel. The link is right there in your show notes. Thanks for the support. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Taylor Fragameni. And Taylor is one of our coaches, a climbing coach with Tangent Climbing, um, setter, climber. What are what else are you? <laughs> That's basically it. Really <laughs> That's it. That's my whole That's identity. It. That's all I am. <laughs> and right now you're based in... St. George, Utah. Did, did you say that with a country accent for a did reason? I, I don't or? know. It's maybe it's the Utah accent. It's coming out. <laughs> Utah. Pretty sure there was a little country Utah. accent in there. That's how people say it there. I don't know. But <laughs> you spent a lot of time in Bozeman and Ten Sleep, I assume, is one of the like closest big areas. Yeah. I So I lived in Bozeman for eight or nine years. Um Intense sleep was only four, four and a half hours away. Mm. And so we always used to zip down there on long weekends and I'd do some longer trips in the summer. Um, it's a pretty, pretty special place to me. I've been climbing there since I moved to Bozeman in 2011. Um, yeah, we always used to joke that the best climbing in Montana was in Wyoming. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was easy to go there all the time. I think I, uh, I climbed almost everything from my first 10C to my first 13B there, which is kind wow, of crazy. Wow, really? Yeah, I've probably climbed there more than anywhere else. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that when I asked you to to come on and do oh, this. Oh, really? <laughs> what, when, how to train for 10 sleep. I, I knew you'd spend a lot of time there, mm-hmm. um, but I had no idea it was that much. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like your formative years. For sure. Yeah, that that canyon has seen many versions of me for sure. <laughs> Let's talk a little about the ten sleep style. I feel like you know it's a really similar rock to here in Wild Iris in some ways, but the style is pretty different. It's very different. So, talk to me about what the style of ten sleep is. Yeah, so I would say it's it's predominantly technical, really. Um, it definitely there's there are pockets for sure. They don't climb anything like the pockets in land in Lander and in especially like Wild Iris, for instance. 
Um, and there's actually quite a bit of variety in 10 sleep. I think it gets, uh, put into this category of being like all vertical tech climbing, but right. there are crags that are more powerful and there are crags that are steeper. Um, there are shorter routes and longer routes and lots of in between. Um, but yeah, overarchingly, I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty technical. A lot of directional holds, um. There's a lot of options on the routes, which is really nice. When you say directional holds, just for the folks who, mm-hmm. you know, may not quite understand what that is, let's let's explain there. Yeah. So, uh, not much down pulling. Mm. Lots of uh, positioning your body around side pulls and gastons, and being able to kind of shift your weight over your feet in a way that is going to optimize those holds. That's that's good to yeah. know because when a lot of people think of technical, they just think of tiny cramp, step on a little foot, tiny cramp, step on a little foot. There is that too. <laughs> so so there's yeah. also a lot of like <laughs> positioning your body to make moves mm. work. Yeah. Yeah. So the body sure. position side of technique, if mm-hmm. you will. For sure. Is there any like any characteristics to tensely beyond the like climbing style um type of holds, but what else do we need to know if we're planning a trip there, first time there? What's Ten Sleep all about? Um, so, well, let's go like logistics first. Ten Sleep is a very small town. Um, there's not a huge grocery store there or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, coming in, you definitely would want to stock up on groceries either in. Warland, which is about 30 minutes west of Tensleep, or Buffalo, which is east of Tensleep by about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, And those are kind of your options for bigger grocery stores. There is a little market called Dirty Sally's in town that has um, some local produce and stuff like that and some some basics for groceries, but um, you'd want to stock up ahead of time for sure. Uh, Weather-wise, there... uh, it can be kind of volatile in the kind of shoulder season. So a lot of people go there July and August, and those have like always been the busiest seasons. They used to be kind of the prime season, um, but more recent years, it's been really hot those months. Um, mm. So now kind of on either side of that, like late spring, early fall tend to be a little bit better if you're trying to go red point things that are hard for you. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool things about Ten Sleep is that there's there's loads of climbs at every grade. Um, so if you're just going to like get a bunch of volume in and climb a lot of rock climbs, then and you like hanging out with a lot of cool people, then July and August are great. Um, there's nice creek running all through the canyon that people tend to hang out in during rest days and stuff like that. Um, one of the other things that's really cool is that you. Well, I I like this at least. Some people wake up in the morning and are ready to go rock climbing. And you can do that there. But Ten Sleep is kind of characterized by these slow starts to the morning where Mm. you, you know, you can wake up, have your cup of coffee, read a book for a little while. Is this just you or is this Ten Sleep? Um, (laughs) (laughs) it could be a little bit of both. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, a lot of people hang out and like don't go up to the crag until the early afternoon. Uh, there's climbing on both sides of the canyon, though, so oh, you can. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I've only been there one time. I've really? driven through several times, only climbed there one time. It's only two hours for me. I know. I know. 
I'm actually not surprised by that. But, but the crags <laughs> around here are only 30 minutes from me. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's hard to leave and go anywhere else when there's awesome rock climbing right in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there are Same. climbs on both sides of the canyon. There are, yeah. So there's there's stuff that gets morning shade and stuff that gets afternoon shade. But the more mm. popular crags that most people climb at are on the side that gets afternoon shade. Mm, got it. Yeah. Hence the late morning starts. Hence the late morning starts. Yeah. What yeah. are approaches like? Do people need to be in like super cardio fitness mode or? So those vary quite a bit. Um, there's some crags that are basically roadside and then there's some that are like a 45 minute hike to an hour. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that if you live at lower elevation and you're visiting 10 sleep, you might feel it a little bit when you're there. Um, the, the crags kind of range in elevation from around 6,000 feet at the bottom of the canyon up to almost 10 at the top of the canyon. Um, and I know even for myself, like living in Montana and frequently going into higher elevation areas, whenever I was there for a longer period of time, it always took me like maybe four or five days to feel like I wasn't just absolutely sucking wind on the hikes higher up in the canyon. Yeah. If um, you're not super yeah. like used to changing altitude or if you haven't spent, if you're coming from Ohio, for instance, mm -hmm. and you've never been in the mountains... The difference between 6,000 and nine or 10,000 can be a gigantic difference in, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the oxygen and in the, the temperature and the weather. Mm -hmm. So you probably need to pack quite a bit of different clothing. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that will like always bring my puffy to the crag because yeah. I'd rather have it and not need it than totally. need it and not have it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a real thing but, in Wyoming that's yeah. that does not exist in like Kentucky or the East Coast mm -hmm. nearly the way that it does here. And if it doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees in town, you should bring a puffy to the Exactly. Crack. Yeah. Um and a rain jacket's probably a good idea as well. Um it doesn't tend to rain there for more than I don't know, maybe like an hour at the most, but a lot of the times when I've experienced rain there, it's been very short-lived. Um, mm. But, you know, sometimes it might rain and you want to walk back to the car and not hide under the cliff. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of the time you can hide under the cliff. And it, the rock luckily dries really fast and is fine to climb on after rain. Um, yeah, that's another good thing but, to say, I think, because it's, you know, it's not really soft sandstone. It's... It's a pretty hard rock. Wyoming is really dry. Mm -hmm. It's that dolomite. Um, so it can be, I mean, it can be totally dry mm -hmm. 10 minutes after a rain, you know, especially if it's windy, yeah, which it's Wyoming wild, is often windy. Yeah. So um, <laughs> definitely not the same as if you're climbing in, you know, the soft sandstone area. Mm -mm. Yeah. And some of the craziest thunderstorms I've ever witnessed have been intense sleep too. Mm. I don't know if it was just, I just happened to be there at those times. Um, but I think the canyon is oriented west to east and weather generally moves west to east. Um, as it comes up the canyon, I think the air tends to compress and the storms get more intense the higher you are up in the canyon, mm, which is kind of crazy. Sure. Um, so that could be a thing to keep in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
uh, equipment needed. So beyond just rain jackets and a puffy, mm-hmm. is there anything we need for the climbing? Like, you know, we, in rifle, if you didn't bring knee pads, you're not going to enjoy yourself nearly as much. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's it like intensely? So you don't really need knee pads much intensely. Um, I'm <laughs> oh, one of those is there people... anywhere in Wyoming where you need knee pads a lot? Um, I wonder. I don't know. Not that I know of. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I always put that. one in my pack just in case. You can never know. Same. There same. are actually, there's a few climbs there where it'd be nice to have one, but they're definitely not like generally necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, a stick clip is a good idea. A lot of the routes are bolted with the intention that you're stick clipping the bottom. Uh, it's just nice to have in general. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good bet. Sport you, climbing in yeah. general, but yeah. some people still leave them at home. True story. Um, a 60-meter rope is going to be fine for most things, and there's generally notes in the guidebook or on Mountain Project if they're not, if a 60 wouldn't be long enough. Um, you do need to bring draws. So this is kind of, we joke about this in St. George all the time because almost everything is fixed now. Um, yeah. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I had to bring my draws to the crag mm-hmm. today. But in Tensleep, there are very few routes that are fixed. Uh, if you're there in the busy season, like July and August, there's generally going to be draws hanging on a lot of the more popular routes. But it's a good idea to bring a bunch to the crag. And Yeah, don't count on those that are hanging. Yeah. Check them before you clip them. Yeah. For sure. Yep, definitely. There's some that I've definitely pulled from there that were just up for many seasons <laughs> and not in very good condition. Um, yeah. Uh, shoe wise, I think most people prefer like a stiffer edging shoe. I kind of like having two pairs. So some of the crags, like I said, are more like bouldery, less, uh, less edging and more smearing. And it might be nice to have like a softer shoe for those crags, but, uh, generally people prefer things like squamas or solutions or katanas or whatever, something Mm -hmm. stiffer for edging can be nice. There's a couple approaches where you do cross Ten Sleep Creek. So there's like a higher, there's a higher approach for French Cattle Ranch that you walk across the creek and that one's a little bit spicy. Um, <laughs> Is it a deep creek? Like what's the creek uh, like? It depends on how much snow melt there was from mm. the year, how much it snowed for the year. Um, there is a line running across the creek, but it's it's more of like, it's definitely not like Tyrolean status. It's kind of just a hand line and it's actually not in the best place to cross. It's easier mm. to cross higher up in the creek, but um, it can be, there's been times I've crossed it and it's been like a mid thigh height. Um, mm, so you want to bring something that you aren't afraid to get wet. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And all like, you'd want a pair of shorts obviously for that too. Uh a lot of people will just bring like an extra pair of socks or a pair, an extra pair of pants mm-hmm. um, if you're doing that approach. But there is an approach that doesn't require you to cross the creek to get up there as well. It's just a little bit longer. Um, yeah. And then going to the psychoactive wall lower in the canyon in the Lee Creek area, you also have to cross the creek. That one is way more mellow. So the French Cattle Ranch one is like near the top of the canyon and the Lee Creek one is near the bottom. Got it. Got yeah. it. But it's just nice to have. Also, for just hanging out on rest days, if you want to hang in the creek, especially if you're there while it's hot, it's nice to have. The creek bed's pretty rocky, and so it's mm, nice to yep. have a pair of, like, chacos or That's good water beta. shoes of some sort. It also just sucks standing around all day in wet, 
shoes that have just been collecting dirt yeah. all day long. Yeah. It sucks. Bring bring something else. <laughs> uh, length of routes. What's the, you know, what are we looking at? Are we? I mean, there, it's so hard to answer that question because there's a lot of variety. Um, but like I said, like a 60 meter rope is fine most of the time. I think I can think of one scenario where I was actually like end to end at an 80 meter rope. Mm. And it was kind of like happenstance. There's this route at uh, Valhalla that it's the first people climb the first pitch kind of frequently. I'm totally spacing on the name of it right now. But the first pitch is like 10B and then there's an 11B extension off of it. And it's very slabby. So we were just, you know, looking at, up at it from the ground like, yeah, this is this is fine. Um, slab, it, you know, if you're unfamiliar, looks shorter from the ground than mm. it actually is. Uh, and I went and climbed up to the top of it and it just happened that we had an 80 meter rope that day. That was what my friend had brought because it was all she had. Um, and I had totally ended it, ended it on the way down. It was like, huh, crazy. Climbing wow. forever. But that is very unusual there. And even in that scenario, like there's a midway anchor, you could, you could pull it down if you needed to. Got it. You didn't have so I feel like, you know, wild iris, especially if you're going to tent sleep from wild iris, mm-hmm. um, you can almost get away with a like 30 meter rope at wild yeah, iris totally. most of the time, you know? Yeah. I I carry chopped ropes up there. Mm-hmm. I do not carry a full yep, length rope. We up did there. that the other day. Um, so definitely, <laughs> s- you know, switch that rope out if you're yeah head ten sleep. Yeah, sixty will be good for just about everything. Yeah, let's talk about prime season to climb there. I think it's it's really busy in the summer and it's gotten busier and busier. Yeah, over the you know last. Maybe the last decade, you know, eight years, something like that. Yeah, it's, I'd say especially in the last like four or so. Yeah, it's gotten steadily more and more Yeah, busy. it's kind of wild because it used to be that like, like I said, I started climbing there in 2011. It used to be that you'd maybe run into like two other parties over the course of a whole weekend. Mm. And it was always people from Wyoming or Montana or maybe Idaho. Um yeah, now it's just like a totally different landscape there. It's kind of wild. Yeah. It, yeah. And I assume it's like it is here in Lander where summer is one of the better places to go, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the best time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the spring and fall like there? So they are obviously cooler, which is really nice. Um, again, also if you're trying to send hard things for yourself. Um, but the weather can be a little bit more tricky. You might get those those storms rolling in and out of rain or snow for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. But again, they tend to be pretty short-lived and they any snow is generally going to melt off at that point. Is there, a, is there like snow consideration in the canyon where you can't get to parts of the canyon if it snows? Like wild iris is pretty much out uh, until the snow melts off. You know? Not unless you're like really pushing it Got probably. It. Uh, for Crag 6, which is like one of the highest, it might be the highest actually as far as like the main climbing areas go in the canyon, uh, you do drive a dirt road for a while that is a little bit hilly to get out there. And if it's wet, the road gets very slippery. Mm. It's kind of like clayish mud. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well as 
people tend to get stuck trying to come back up the hill to get out of there. And that's a pretty popular crag, It's right? very popular, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's one I'd of the coolest spots it. you can go to. Um, and there's mm-hmm. a wide variety of, of climbs there, and they're all really cool. Yeah, that's that's good beta too. You mm-hmm. know, if you're if that's where your goals are and you don't know the area well, it might be harder to get there at the end of the fall or beginning of the spring mm-hmm. or something like that. Let's talk how you should prepare for a trip to tent sleep. The cool thing about tent sleep is that you don't necessarily need to be like crazy strong to have success there. Um, if you are a technically sound climber, then you're gonna have a good time, which is nice. Um, so we could just talk about that a little bit, even like certain drills that could be helpful um, for the more technical crags, like somewhere like French Cattle Ranch, where it's more vert to slightly overhanging, crimpy, really sequential climbing. Um, having a good understanding of like there's lots of options on the climbs. There's it, having a good understanding of how to figure out beta that works well for your body is going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so years ago, I came up with this uh, drill for one of my team kids that kind of struggled with more intricate movement that I called uh, creative repeats, where he'd have to climb a boulder like three or four times, but in totally with a totally different sequence each time. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of learn how to see the possibilities a little bit of what can happen on a, a route and not necessarily just falling right into what it, the intended sequence is yeah, or what everyone else is doing. And it's I'm, one of my favorite things to do outside too. Yeah, and I'm like one of those people that tends to use different beta than most other people do. Mm. So, um, so yeah, trying to explore that a little bit and teach yourself to see the different solutions to things can be really helpful because there are multiple solutions a lot of the time. Um, another one, if you're not super familiar with climbing on limestone, especially limestone that has a lot of feet on it, um, understanding how to be able to distribute your weight over two feet instead of between one foot and a hand or whatever Mm -hmm. is going to be really helpful from an efficiency standpoint. Um, and that's easy to drill in the gym as well. You can just you know, instead of doing one legged drill, you do two legged drill and maybe you use yeah. open feet even and uh, just kind of get a feel for how to distribute your weight when two feet are on the wall. Because sometimes it's easier to have one foot on, but. Yeah. And you might find that shifting your weight a little bit in one direction makes a much bigger difference than you thought it would. Exactly. You know? And it's going to be. Especially with those directional holds. Yeah. It's going to be totally about. different than if you're climbing with one foot on, which. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be actually that I saw more people needing to work on climbing with one leg. But now as gyms have gotten more powerful and more dynamic, um, climbing with one leg at a time is more and more common. Mm -hmm. So maybe getting back to that technical, getting your weight over two feet is an important thing. Yeah, being able to to balance between that point um, definitely helps. And then another thing with a lot of the time with less steep climbing, especially we're grabbing a hand and then building our feet really high to reach really mm-hmm. far to ne- the next handhold. Um, so understanding how to walk your feet up is really helpful too. Man, super important. Yeah. Um, and I really like the like tic-tac-toe drill for that. So every 
every hand move you do, you have to do three foot moves. Mm. Um, but it was always so funny having our team kids do this because they would just like tap footholds really quick with their feet. And <laughs> don't do that. That's not going to help. You have to actually transfer your weight from foot to foot as you walk your feet up. Yep. Um, that'll be really helpful as well. Uh, so those are like the big technical standpoints. Um, I think that one's a really good one. Yeah. Um, we should talk about for a second because sure. if you're if you're a gym climber and you know most of your time is spent in the gym, then you're almost always in this paradigm where you're looking for the footholds. And oftentimes what you're talking about is when a foot's so high that you can't really just step up to it, you have to sort of paddle your feet up the wall to get in place, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to put your foot on and shift your weight over this foot. And that might mean you're stepping on things that don't look like footholds to you. Exactly. You know, just smearing straight on the wall and finding the way that you need to weight those um, is really valuable practice for climbing outside, particularly in technical areas. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes from the wall angle too. You know, on steeper terrain, you can just move your hips away from the wall and mm -hmm. high step maybe a little bit more easily. Um, but on thin holds on more vertical terrain where you have to stay tight into the wall in order to hold on and keep your weight over your feet the whole time, you can't really do that. And that's where that walking up becomes more encouraged than just yeah. like having the hip mobility to high step. Yeah. Another thing I like to do for folks to help them kind of learn that paddling their feet up the wall is, you know, get a, if, especially if you're in a gym that has a textured wall of any kind, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little harder on plywood, but absolutely still doable. Um, get on a vertical wall and just try. You may not be able to do it, but try to match your foot where your hands are over and over just to see what happens, almost like you're mantling onto every hold mm -hmm. because it's going to force you to have to lean away from the wall a little bit, apply pressure so that you can get your foot high enough, you know, just on the wall and then try to rock over it. Yeah. And I think it'll teach you a lot, even if some of the moves you try like that are impossible. Totally. Could try just standing in T-nuts. That's always a fun thing to do too. Yeah, to totally. That, that, I mean, that's <laughs> a really important point. Like your, your gym probably doesn't have any small footholds. Probably not. Most gyms do not. Yeah. The holds that you think are small footholds are giant in comparison to some of the little tiny feet that you're going to find on limestone. Even mm -hmm. on, you know, 510s, 511s, mm -hmm. you're going to find tiny little feet that are way smaller than what you're climbing on in the gym. Yeah, yeah. And it it's worth stating too that uh, trying to practice turning good footholds into bad footholds at the gym is going to be helpful too. Yep. yep. Um, so what I mean by that is like intentionally standing on a poorer surface of the hold. Um, or maybe if, you know, you've got a blocky hold, maybe you stand on the side of it instead of on the, yep. on the outside or on the top rather. Um, that can be a really helpful thing to practice as well. Stand, yeah. stand in the bolt hole instead of standing in yep. the, on the actual hold. Stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. And if you've yeah. got a home wall, of course, buy our tiny little feet. We've, yeah, of course. We've got a bunch of them. So. <laughs> um, is there a grade in 10 sleep where, things seem to shift. Like 
you know, in some areas it, you know, it's 512 becomes this grade where you really have to learn how to shake out or you, your finger strength has to be considerably better to make this leap from this grade to the next. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, in wild iris, the pockets are pretty big until you get to 513. And then all of a sudden you've got some pretty small, heinous little pockets. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if there's, Maybe there's one 514 in Lander that doesn't have a mono on it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Something like that. Um, Is there something like that in 10 Sleep where you see a big shift happening? Um, I'd say... I think, you know, once you hit 513, the holds definitely get smaller by Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, But again, I keep getting pulled back to this variety piece. Um. I think a lot of it is relative. Like if you're sure if you're trying something that is hard for you, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of options on routes. And so having the skill of memorizing beta is going to be really helpful um, because it's easy to forget when there's six different footholds you could stand on for a move. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe you have to stand on the one and that's how it works for you. Right. Um, so I think that's a really big thing uh, once you're projecting at all. You know, one thing I think could be valuable is if you're if you're in a gym where you know the setters and you can talk to the setters, you know, mention to them that you would love to see some boulders put up or roots put up that are edges that aren't just down pools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, setters love to get feedback and to have – you know, goals in mind for folks. Um, so for sure. At least they should. Yeah, they should love it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so a lot of setters are going to really appreciate it if you're like, hey, I've got a trip coming to Ten Sleep. I would love a route that's just like side pull edges and gas stone edges mm-hmm. that force me to get my feet high. You know, that's going to give them something to do that's creative. So yeah, um, ask for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and as the... The beta memorization stuff goes too. Like I think a lot of the time people get caught up in remembering hand sequences and they forget mm-hmm. to think about the foot sequences. And since a lot of the climbing there is more foot intensive, you got to practice memorizing the foot sequences too, <laughs> for yeah. sure. I think that's a real thing, for sure. Yeah, it's something we don't think about in the gym because a lot of the time it's like, oh, you just grab this hand and then there's the one foothold. Right. Um, so. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you've done in 10 sleep that, that you really had to train for and is a, you know, a a proud thing for you? Yeah. So, uh, the first 13 B I ever did, it's called power pie. It's at the drywall, which is lower in the Canyon. Um, and that one, it's super cool. It's, uh, you kind of climb like this really chill like cracky feature for a minute and then uh the wall kicks back and you have a long boulder problem I don't remember exactly how many moves it is it's probably around 15 or so um that's just really small like sharp crimps and cool drop knees and stuff like that to get between them because again none of the holds on it are down pulling really Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and that one it was cool I was I was going down there a lot like I think it was October actually and so the weather was was really on or off I just went like a few weekends in a row um and was getting closer and closer but was falling like near the end of the boulder 
And so when I would go back to Bozeman during the week, I'd just try to get a couple sessions in of just doing three by threes on like crimpy boulder problems in the gym. Um, and just that quick little power endurance adaptation was enough that I was able to pull it off. But it was like, it's a memorable one because it was kind of like the perfect send where you, I like stuck the move I'd been falling on and then like almost fell two moves later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like just teetering off. And then you still have like some, some 12A climbing into some easier slab after that crux boulder too. So, so yeah, just a little bit of power endurance was helpful on that one, which I think is the case on a fair bit of the routes there. Um, I think especially with power endurance on that style of climbing, mm-hmm. uh, one of the important things to think about when you're in the gym is like, it's not, it's not the like classic picture of power endurance we have where you're just lunging and falling off, but grabbing the holds anyway and mm-hmm. somehow staying on. And a really important thing to practice is keeping your composure and not letting yourself completely fall apart you know standing on little feet and grabbing little holds and practicing being calm cool and collected to the best of your ability anyway Mm -hmm. uh, in these three by threes or you know whatever it is that you're using to train your power endurance I think that's a really important part of it yeah a hundred percent I think people really miss out on that with power endurance exercises a lot of the time like it's not just about building the physical adaptation but Right. You got to be able to stay stay calm when you're pumped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's definitely a real thing when mm-hmm. I would I would noticed very early on long before I was a coach that when people got pumped their footwork was the first thing to go. You know, yeah. it would just be feet scrabbling around everywhere. And in a place like Ten Sleep, you might not have that opportunity. You know, in the red feet could scrabble and they're going to land on something big. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen that way on technical limestone. No. Yeah. All right. Let's take a, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and I would love to hear some of your like favorite routes, the must do's, uh, the classics in the area for the folks who are, who are planning a trip and mm-hmm. getting overwhelmed, looking at the guidebook. These are the things they should be doing. If you're listening to this episode while planning a trip to Wyoming, then we have got you covered. We now have trip prep training programs available for both Wild Iris and Ten Sleep. Three levels for each area, 511, 512, and 513. These plans are delivered through our mobile app with videos for each exercise, many of which have been developed specifically for the demands of Techie Ten Sleep Limestone and powerful Wild Iris Pockets. You'll get weekly progressions, a flexible schedule that can fit nearly any lifestyle, and tips for making the most of your trip to the area. Go to powercompanyclimbing.com slash trip dash prep to learn more, or you can find the link right there in your show notes. All right, we are back and talking about 10 sleep, uh, what, when, how to train for 10 sleep. We've talked a little already about the you know, the logistics of the area and some of the things you should keep in mind when you're training. But if you're planning a trip to Ten Sleep, now's where you get the beta. Let's talk about the the absolute must do's. These are the ones at each grade or so that sort of 
just say this is ten sleep when <laughs> you're when you're climbing these routes. Um, five ten or under. So the the ultimate classic in the area is called Beer Bong, um, and that's at the uh, downpour area, and it's ten B, and it it's just some low angle climbing up into this crazy like scoop chimney feature. Mm. And the reason it's so classic is that you can actually turn around and face outward face into outward. the canyon as you're stemming up it, which is a gorgeous view and just a very like it's it's got quite an exposure factor. Yeah. For being a five ten. Um and that's kind of the one that like everyone's gotta do that one. Uh, that's really cool. The you five ten degree. If you go and you climb it, you should absolutely do it facing out. Yeah, you've got to. I've only done a few routes where I'm stemmed out across something facing out from the wall and it's always such a unique experience that it, it's super memorable yeah and the way the feature is formed too when you're stemming out there's just like air underneath you basically yeah, that's <laughs> so cool. it's just kind of a crazy feeling that's very but it's cool. very cool there's this this other route that's maybe like a lesser known good one um called death flake from hell and that one's at the uh oh my god I'm totally blanking on the wall. They'll find it in the guidebook. Yeah they'll find it. <laughs> Actually I went and found it for you. Uh, the wall where Death Flake from Hell can be found is Wall of Denial. It's this really cool super long 10A that gets steeper the higher you get on it, um and kind of climbs this like crazy like melted looking rock and mm. I think the reason it isn't regarded as one of the classics is when you're like standing looking at it, it kind of looks like Choss, but I promise it's not. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. And there's this cool, like just hanging feature and crack that kind of like you follow up, but it's mostly just like sinker jugs. And it's this, really cool. The, the name of this route is actually a thing I've been like grappling with in my brain a little bit. Like the, <laughs> the way that we, we talk up these things to be either super hard or super scary, mm. uh, and they may not be. And oftentimes that like romanticizing that we do about these things mm -hmm. hold people back from trying them. Um, so I've been grappling with that because part of me really likes it, you yeah. know, <laughs> calling things badass names. And then the other part of me is like, but nobody's ever going to try this because now they're right. afraid of it. It's you know? already looks intimidating. And then with that, it being named that, I think if you're a 10A climber, you're probably like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that one. Yeah. So if you are a 10A climber, go do it anyway. Yeah, it's fun. I and, promise. And then you get to tell your friends you did the death flake from hell. Yeah. So. And it's not at all sketchy. <laughs> I love it. All right, how about 5.11s? What do we got there? All right, there we've got um, Circus in the Wind. That's at the circus wall. It's a super classic 11B. The circus wall is kind of tucked up in a side canyon, lower in the canyon. So it's it's just a really cool setting to begin with. You're in like a tighter little, little canyon, and it's a beautiful like blue and yellow streaked wall. Mm. Um, and for that matter, there's actually a 10 be on the right side of that wall called step right this way. That's also really cool and climbs a, a sharper ret at the top. Um, but circus in the wind is just a really cool, pumpy, beautiful five eleven. The wall is just amazing and definitely worth checking out. There's not a lot of routes at the wall. Um, so it can 
get busy if there's a few parties up there. So that's something to keep in mind. Mm. But it's worth trying to go to go do that one. Um, face melter roof at Valhalla is also really cool. Uh, I think this one has become a little bit more popular in the last few years. Uh, just a really crimpy, like cool 11 BC. The first pitch of it is lower angle 10 a, and then you climb out a bulge and up onto a head wall that is a little bit steeper and nice and techy. Lots cool. of lots of those directional holds we've been yeah. talking about. When yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, you know, when some of these climbs are getting really popular, how does the rock at 10 sleep handle it? Does it get more polished the more popular it becomes? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild actually, especially in the last like five years or so, how much routes have changed. Yeah. Um, I personally quite like the polish because it makes me feel really nervous and <laughs> yeah. anxious. And you get I, really good at holding your body tension on those. Yeah, I sort of like holes. that feeling when I'm sport climbing. Yeah. Um, I like it sometimes. It kind of depends on the situation, I think. But just something to be aware of. And, you know, yeah. and that's exactly why we developed our resistors and our diodes that mm -hmm. are footholds that are just all the, the shiny half of Dultex um, just to force you to create that same nervousness and anxiety in yeah. the gym. And it's worth mentioning too that if that's not something that you want to do, um, I had a really hard time making this list because there's so many routes in 10 sleep that I just love and would climb over and over again. Um, so even the ones that are like, you know, three stars and below a lot of the time are really, really enjoyable. And mm. so it's, it's easy to avoid the stuff that's more heavily trafficked and still have an awesome time if you want to do that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good to know too. Mm -hmm. There's also another route at Valhalla called Hanoi Hilton. That's an 11D uh, that has some really rad sequences on it. It's kind of got a more bouldery start uh, and then slabs out a little bit in the middle and then kicks back onto this overhang and has some mm. some really cool pocket moves. And that one's kind of... That one's more of like an under the radar classic. I don't see people on it as much, but it's it's really good. Is it like an abrupt change from slab to steep near the top? Um, yeah. Yep. So you've got like the hard bouldery beginning that's slightly overhanging, and then you probably climb like five, eight for a few bolts on this slab, and you could stand like no hands below the overhang, and then it mm. kicks back and gets it bouldery again. I think that's a cool opportunity for folks mm -hmm. um you know in a lot of the modern day sport climbing we, it, we don't get those chances to like change angles that mm -hmm. often uh, and i think the slab to overhang angle is a it's a really common angle in like more adventurous climbing mm -hmm. and it it can be a little heady going from easy slab to a, a steep wall so yeah and something i totally forgot to mention earlier too, as far as like skills that are important to have in 10 sleep, being able to rest on route is a big one for sure. Mm. But pacing is huge um, because there's so much, there can be variety in the difficulty of the climbing on the route. And this is just true for sport climbing in general, I think. But if you're used to primarily climbing in the gym, things tend to be set to be very consistent. Right. And that's not generally the case there. Um, so understanding how to how to change your climbing 
pace, whether that is tension or effort or speed is going to be helpful as well. Yeah, that's important. And, you know, for the folks who may not have ever really, really delved into thinking about pacing, Mm -hmm. would you say it's a general rule that technical climbing is a little slower as it gets steeper, you should be moving a little faster or what's your thought there? I think that's a general rule for sure. Um, like everything with climbing, there's always going to be exceptions. Yeah. You know, if it's low angle terrain, that's easy for you. Then maybe you can just run through it and save your feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're really comfortable on that terrain, then you can move more quickly through it, even though it's tenuous. Um, and then with the steeper stuff, obviously you're on your arms more. If you're someone with endless endurance, then maybe you can afford to move more slowly. But if you're not, then being able to pick the pace up a little bit can be helpful. Um, but since a lot of the, a lot of the holds in 10 sleep, even though they again, don't climb like the pockets of lander are pockety. Um, sometimes you can't like move super fast through certain overhanging sections. Mm -hmm. You might have to slow down and be a little bit more precise. So that can be something to keep in mind as well. Got it. And you can play with it in the gym by like making link ups or just artificially changing your speed and kind of noticing when it makes sense to do what and why. That's a cool idea. Uh, the link up, like find two mm-hmm. sort of disparate styles that are near each other and find a way to link between those two and have to change your mm-hmm. your style and your pacing mid boulder, mid route. Yeah, and you can do it multiple times even. Like a lot of gyms have more than one route per draw line. Um, and generally there'll be like an easier one and a harder one. And so mm-hmm. you could you could play with, you know, climbing the easy bottom into like a boulder problem on the harder one and then going back to easier and vice versa. Yeah, I like that. Just learn how to do that a little bit. Let's talk 512. What are the must-dos? Um, sleight of hand at the drywall. This is lower in the canyon again. Um, it's 12A. It's very cool. Just very classic 10 sleep. Um, vert, techie, a harder boulder at the bottom, but still very continuous after actually. Um, so we get that variety piece in there again. <laughs> um, you're, you're all about the variety. There's here. a lot of variety there. Well, everyone's <laughs> always like 10 sleep is soft and everything's vertical and that's just like not true but (laughs) it's it's funny because i used to be the exact same way like when people would be like well the red's just overhanging endurance i'm like no it's not it's got this got this got this but in doing all of these episodes everybody i've talked to when i'm like let's talk about the like the archetypal style (laughs) like the the style everybody thinks of and everybody's like well there's there's all these other roots too and we have to talk about them you know I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, sleight of hand is archetypal 10 sleep for sure. Um, very good. Not as heavily trafficked because the drywall is not one of the most popular crags. And it's also generally if you're if you're there in July and August, it's going to be too hot to climb up that wall because mm. it's lower in the canyon. Um, and it gets sun most of the day. But if you're there in the shoulder seasons and you just want to climb the – ultimate 10 sleep style, then sleight of hand is a great one. That's the one. Uh, Yeah. And the next one I had was this route called Tricks for You. That's at Super Radic. Um, That one's also 12A. That one I have a fun story about. This one is also archetypal 10 sleep style. Um, But I remember there, 
uh, being up at that crag one day and there was kind of a bit of a storm rolling in. You could like, you know, you can smell it in the air. Yeah. Like there's yep. thunder coming. Um, but I was like, I gotta do this route. The draws are up. Like I wanted, I'm going to go up and clean it. I want to climb it. And, uh, this one's a little bit more slabby and it's very, very techy. A lot of, a lot of small crimps. Uh, and as the storm is rolling up the Canyon, the wind is picking up more and more. And I remember being on the, the techy like slab near the top and just trying to like run up the slab between gusts of wind because I was getting like blown off the wall basically. It's really balancey and so like a gust of wind could easily teeter you off balance enough to throw you off the route. Mm-hmm. Um and Wyoming but, wind can be vicious. To hold on, but it was it was very memorable for that reason. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That one is is really cool and I don't think that one gets as much traffic as it probably deserves as well. Um, and then in the 10 or the 12 plus range, uh, one of my favorites is Esplanada and that one's 12 D. I think the guidebook says you'll swear it's 13 a, um, <laughs> but it's, it's really cool. Um, that one's at the grasshopper wall in FCR and it's, it's really interesting because that wall is, tends to be very crimpy technical, uh, a lot of edging and stuff. And Esplanada kind of has a different style, even though it's mm. nestled in with all of those other ones. Um, it's bigger moves between pockets and more in-cut holds. It's a little bit steeper at the bottom. Um, more power endurance for sure. And then it's topped off with just a techie, less steep uh, boulder problem that spits a lot of people off. Mm. So it's one of those ones that when you when you do it, you're just, you're either relieved or, you know, maybe you're sick of it at that point. I don't know. People fall going to the anchors a lot on that one. I actually love it the most when it's like a techie slab sort of boulder yeah. at the top instead of like some hero boulder problem that finishes with a dyno. Mm-hmm. You know, falling off there makes sense. But when it's turned into super slabby and just no holds it's really frustrating to have a hard time up there and i i love that yeah it's it's really cool and there's like there's some options on it too and so you might figure out one beta and then get up there on the red point and be like oh this Mm. is not the way to do it on the red point actually and so i think that that gets people a lot and it the holds get smaller at the end too um so if you're pumped from all the the more powerful climbing earlier in the route there is there is a decent rest beforehand, but it's not the best rest in the world. Um, it's on like a flatter hold. Uh, but yeah, it's so funny. That one was one that I was falling off the top over and over again in August one year and then went back in September when it was colder and did it easily. <laughs> yeah. Like, what on earth just happened? That's that's the way it goes, yeah. I think. The temps, the temps help at that wall for sure. All right, 513 and up. What do we got? I've heard a lot about uh, five thirteen and up roots and ten sleep over There's the years. So, so I'm, many. I'm curious to hear yeah. your favorites there or your must dos there. Yeah, there's there's a lot. It's so hard to choose. Um, but I think Dances with Cows is the neighbor to Esplanada, and it's very it's thirteen a. It's very different style actually, which is sort of funny because they share an anchor. Um, mm. <laughs> they don't share any climbing, but they share an anchor. Uh, it's 
a great one. I think it's a lot of people's first 13A. It was my first 13A. Um, there's a lot of options through the crux. It's very thin uh, and also has like a little bit of like a red point crux at the end. That's a little techier, but that one's very classic. A good one to do. Um, I also had Blue Light Special on here, which is its neighbor. Very similar. Both of those are... You like this crack. I do like that crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I like all of them. It's so hard to choose. Um, that one is very tense sleep, continuous crimping, very technical. Um, some pockets as well. You keep saying continuous crimping. It makes me feel yeah. like I have to now go and... I'll be there all of September, Actually Chris. do some of this. You can come climbing with me. All right, me. count me in. Count all right, great. In. Cool, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then in the – I haven't climbed any of the 514s there, but people really like Galactic Emperor. That's at um, that's also at FCR. That one's been getting a lot of traffic in the last couple years. Got kind of a hard boulder at the bottom and then some easier climbing. But it's still still hard because it's 49. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a, a bit of a stinger crux at the top too, I think. Cool. People have been into that one. Since you had a hard time choosing through all these grades, let's narrow it down even further. Make it even harder. <gasps> okay. Pick a favorite. And I'm going to tell all the other routes that you chose this one as oh, the favorite. God. So all, right. all of your children are going to be upset with you. Okay. Well... This is this is tough, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the routes that I choose as my favorite always have more to do with like the overall experience than the actual climb itself. Of course, of course. Um, so if I had to choose one, I think Hala mm. at Crag Six would be the one. Um, that one's twelve D. That wall is probably about a hundred feet tall. It's one of the taller walls in Ten Sleep. Um. And Hala has like a bit of a crux at the beginning and then a nice rest. And the reason that I had such a great time on this one was because of the beta that I used through the middle of the route. And I was trying it with a couple climbers that were like over six feet tall. Mm. And I'm 5'5". Five five. I'm not short by any means, but I'm not six feet tall. <laughs> um, and there's this one section. It's not, it's not a crux of the route by any means, but... Uh, they were just like back flagging through and reaching from pocket to pocket on it. And for some reason, the positioning of the foot just, it didn't feel good to me to like do the move statically. And so I just launched off of a lower foot and kind of did this crazy barn door toss. Mm. And then you have to traverse across on some smaller pockets and they were kind of matching across, but the feet were just low enough for me that matching across felt like it was spanning me out too much to the point where I couldn't load the feet as well as I wanted to. Yep. So I ended up doing this barn door toss into a full rose move, like nice. fully turned around, like head under my Hero arm. Hero shit. Yeah. yeah, and it was so cool. <laughs> and I remember coming down at one point, and one of the guys that was tall that was trying it was like, dang, that looks like way more fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I came down, I was like, maybe this beta is stupid, but it's so cool. I'm like going to do the route like this. And it worked out really well. I love it. And it was such a funny one too, where I, the last, the day that I sent it, I was like feeling kind of trashed and not that psyched, but I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just try it one more time. 
and I ended up doing it that go, but I remember getting to the last, there's one last kind of slopey-ish rest before the red point crux, and I hate resting on route. I get so <laughs> impatient. I just want to keep climbing, um, but I hung out there forever because I was so shocked to find myself up there that I was like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'd only been trying it for a couple of days. I think my previous high point was probably like halfway up the route or something like that. I was like, here we are. I'm not even sure I fully remember the red point yeah. crux, but. The preserve the sand rest. Yeah. <laughs> Stay there way longer than you need to. Yeah. And the view at the top of that crag, like when you clip the anchors and look out is just amazing too. And so mm. that's that's one of my favorites, mostly because of the flying barn door toss into Rose Move sequence. That was really cool. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard all of those words put together I know, in one right? sentence. It's a unique experience. <laughs> that's why it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I love it. What about the overlooked classics? What are the hidden gems around Ten Sleep that you've done? Nobody ever talks about, but they're out there. I think I mentioned Step Right This Way already at the Circus Wall. That's just a unique feature, um, mm -hmm. which is really cool. It's like super sharp arete at the top of the wall. That's a good one to do um, if you find yourself up at that wall. This next one is definitely a hidden a hidden classic because I don't think people climb it very much, but it's called Pre-Spice Blow. It's a 10C that is at the El Dorado Coral Club, which is an area in FCR that has a lot of 510s, um, but doesn't house like tons of classics really. Um, that wall is a little bit chossier. Uh, but this this route is really cool. It kind of climbs up this huge detached block and it's really long. Um, but you're climbing on the left feature for a while, like up in a ret at the bottom, and then you're kind of climbing on this slab. And then the wall tips back and you get closer to the main cliff. Mm on the feature that you're climbing on and you actually stem between the main cliff yeah, and this cool. hanging arete. And it's it's just a really unique position to be in. Um, I hadn't really climbed a feature like that before. And yeah. then eventually you get higher on the route and you have to transfer back onto the arete That's of the, cool. the other cliff. So that one's, that one's pretty cool. I love anything unique like that. Same, yeah. Um, that wall also has an 11A called Crossbow Chaos Theory. That one is... That one's maybe not so much an overlooked classic, but I don't always hear people talking about it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a really cool 11A that has a little roof in it, a little roof pull, which is fun. Um, I already mentioned Hanoi Hilton earlier. Pump Me Like a Shotgun is another 11D. There's so many good 11Ds in 10 Sleep. Mm. Um, that's at Valhalla in the munitions area. It's just a... It's easier slab climbing into a steep bulge that's just like cool pulling on jugs. That one's really fun. It's it's pumpy for sure, hence the name. Um, sounds great. Vulcan Jessery at downtown area is one of my favorite 12As in the canyon, actually. Mm. And I've done a lot of them. <laughs> that's one of the one of the only ones that I will climb like basically every time I'm at the crag um it's super long very 10 sleepy again archetypal style 10 sleepy. 10 sleepy I like that yeah I hadn't even thought of that but I like, <laughs> I like 10 sleepy yeah it's kind of pumpy it's it's technical there's a lot of crimps and pockets on it it's somewhat continuous uh, really really cool one 
that's one where having the ability to like rest on in kind of poor stances is going to be helpful mm. <laughs> or just having enough endurance to not have to. Um, I phoned a friend on, I phoned a friend on some of these, um, uh, was like, what are, what are you guys think are the overlooked classics? <laughs> um, and she mentioned if dreams were thunder, which is a 12 B that is at the sidewalk buttress lower in the Canyon. I've never climbed that one actually. Maybe I will when I'm there in September. Oh, I like now this. that I know that. But that one, I think, I think it's like twenty bolts long or something like oh, that. Wow, that one's cool. monstrously long. Maybe you'd need a seventy meter for that one. I don't know. If I'm remembering correctly, is a cool like roofy overhanging, arete type adventure. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and then here we are back at the grasshopper wall. <laughs> There's a thirteen A there called Slim Jim. That's just the right of Esplanada. Uh, I put draws on it last year, and then people were climbing on it, as they do when you put draws up on things yeah, that don't normally have draws on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one's actually pretty cool. It's kind of – it's funny because it's it's nestled in with all these five-star routes, and so I think people are like, oh, that one only gets three stars. Like, who needs it? But it's kind of rad. It has a hard boulder at the bottom and then some easier climbing and then another crux up high into some, like, techie slab climbing it sounds like if you're taking a trip to 10 sleep you should just go to the grasshopper wall <laughs> yeah i mean if you're if you're a 513 climber you will be psyched most likely unless you hate cramping and standing on your feet and unless you hate good rock climbing you yeah unless you hate good rock climbing <laughs> then you should reconsider um and that wall is very busy, though, is one of the mm, things that I will say. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the more popular walls in the canyon. Uh, and so it's funny. I haven't climbed there as much the last few years because it's, it's – there's just always like – there was one day I walked past that wall last year and there had to be like 25 people there. Mm. And there's only like eight routes on the wall. Yeah. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. If you're there in the, in the shoulder seasons, it's definitely worth it. Um, but it is higher in the canyon, so the weather can be a little bit trickier too. Sure. But the the nice thing is, you know, you can you can go up there and just see what the deal is. Sometimes you'll get lucky and everyone's resting for the day, and there's not many people at the crag. Um, so it's easy to to go there and check it out, and then walk to walls that are on the periphery, like have mm. a backup plan, basically. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about. Um, tent sleep, you know, Lander sort of has this setup as well where all the walls are sort of connected. Mm -hmm. um, is there a, a best place in tent sleep to go for folks who have like a big group of people that they're with at a wide variety of grades? You know, mm -hmm. I think that's more and more common nowadays to have a 513 climber climbing with a brand new climber. Um, and everything in between. So where should those groups be going? Yeah, the this is one of the great things about Ten Sleep is that there's actually a lot of options um, for that, that scenario specifically. Um, downpour wall is really great. There's everything from like 5.7 to 13 plus within the area. Mm, cool. Um, and downtown is really good too and tends to be less busy. Uh, there's, again, within like a – Five, less than five minute walk there's everything between 10 minus and 13 plus um and fcr is good for that 
uh, you've got that one's a slightly more sp spread out. So, you know, you might you might find yourself like more scattered if you're in a group. Um, and that one is maybe slightly there's a couple good five tens up there, but that one's maybe slightly better if you are in a group that's like we have people that want to try like 11 plus 12 a and people that want to try like 13 plus up to 13 plus. Got um, it. So that's something to keep in mind too. Lots of classics up there. Is that French cattle ranch area one of the more popular areas? It is. Yeah. I've heard that name a lot more than the mm -hmm. others and it's the only area I've, I've ever climbed at. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So that, yeah, especially the Shinto wall is just this big, beautiful wall that has a bunch of like everything on it is like 11D to 12C, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, that wall is really, really popular for climbers that are working in that range. Um, and then Grasshopper is the other really popular one at that in that zone. Um, yep. But there are other other little pockets of climbing in between there. Oh, there's also the back 40 wall up there too, which is very similar to Shinto, but is all like 511 climbs. Mm, so it's kind of cool. fun because you've got like those three walls um, Shinto, Back 40, and Grasshopper are all like the archetypal 10 sleeve walls. And one's like mostly 511s, one's mostly 512s, and one's mostly 513s, which mm, is kind of cool rad. That's cool to have. Yeah. And they're all within like 10 minutes of each other, maybe. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, and then Crag 6 is a good option for that as well. Um, again, that crag can also get busy, especially in the hotter months. Um, it gets a little bit more finicky in the less hot months because that is the highest crag up. Um, but there's everything from 10A to 13D up there as well, I think. Yeah, so. it sounds a lot like the red where there's just lots of variety in terms of grades all mm -hmm. over the place. Yeah, and crag six is cool too because there's kind of like three walls and the rightmost wall is kind of tucked away and it's – uh, I think there's only three routes on it, and a couple of them are 12A, but they're really short and bouldery. They're like mm. four or five bolts long. And then you have the middle wall called the Rap Stars Wall that is that massive 100-foot cliff that I was talking about earlier that is just like kind of a scooped overhang. It gets a little steeper near mm. the top. Um, and then you have like some some easier climbs in the middle, and then the third wall over is like – more mid-length, like, bouldery routes. So you have a little bit of everything there. You've got, That's like, cool. the moderate boulders, the super long enduro routes, and then, like, the the punchy, bouldery mid-length routes. You're getting me psyched to go to Ten Sleep. Great. We're going. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> uh, rest days. What's your favorite? You know, this is one of the, like, troubles with small towns i mm -hmm. think tiny little western towns is that there's not a ton to do on rest days unless yeah. you're just psyched to do things in the outdoors which is also great um but what do you do on rest days in ten sleep um you have got to be able to chill on rest days and ten mm -hmm. sleep a little bit the like there's not a lot to do as far as the town goes for sure um, a lot of people, including myself, will just hang out by the creek. You can go swimming and that's pretty nice. Um, a lot of people just like do work during rest days, but if you're on vacation for real, then you don't need to do that. Rolling your eyes yeah. at me as you said, work on rest days. <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> don't lie to the listeners. <laughs> um, there's, 
there are cool hikes like higher in the canyon. Um, you can if if you are like an active rest day person, going for a hike is a great thing to do. It's really beautiful there. Um, you could go scope out whatever crag you're trying to go to mm-hmm. and see what the deal is. Are there um, good restaurants in town? Um, I'm such a bad person to ask about that because I it's like small town Wyoming and I'm like vegan and gluten <laughs> free. Oh yeah. Um, there are, there are a couple. So there's like the Sleepy Coyote. Um, I think there's a brewery. In there's, Ten yep, now. the Ten Sleep Brewery. They don't generally have food. They'll have like food trucks sometimes that got come. Got it, got it. Um, but their beer is good. And a lot of people do hang out there. Um. I've also heard a lot about Dirty Sally's ice cream. Yep, yeah, that's definitely a rest activity. <laughs> 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 Just go hang out at Dirty Sally's and eat all the ice cream. Yeah. Do you have a – first off, are you an ice cream eater if you're vegan? No. No. That would mess me up at this point, I yeah. think. <laughs> I'm going to ask Lana. I like coffee, though. <laughs> I'm going to ask Lana to tell us her favorite ice cream from Dirty Sally's because yeah. I know she, Lana's very detail-oriented in her ice cream. I know. We actually were just talking about this a couple of days ago. I ran into her. <laughs> You are normally like very against me recording you. You were strangely non-combative this time when I asked. I mean, we're talking about ice cream. I'm willing to talk about ice cream pretty much anytime to anyone on any platform. I figured that's how strongly I feel about it. Yeah, I figured that was probably the case. And I'm sadly, I have developed a lactose intolerance. Um, so I will never eat at Dirty Sally's most likely, unless I just accept that I'm going to, my stomach's going to hurt the next day, which it's is worth it. But is it? I don't, well, can I'm you not just sure. take one of those pills? I haven't tried that yet. Maybe. That seems like a worthwhile, at least to try. Okay. I'll give it a shot. When we go to 10 sleep, I'll give it a shot. Okay. I need to know, everyone out there listening needs to know your personal favorite Dirty Sally's concoction. I will say that I'm a little leery to share this out and put it out there only because they often run out. And now I feel like I'm only increasing the chances of them running out. But. (sighs) Do it for the greater good. For the greater good, because I'm not one to like, you know, gatekeep my ice cream secrets. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to go to Dirty Sally's and you're going to get ice cream. That's just a, like, no-brainer. Especially since you're probably in tent sleep in the middle of a hot summer and you climbed all day. So it's going to taste extra good already. But then you have to make some decisions on your flavors and size. You're going to get two scoops. That's the right choice. And so you have to choose a cone or cup, you know, a receptacle large enough to accommodate such a capacity. A receptacle large enough to accommodate. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I prefer okay. like a kid's cone, like a sugar cone, because I like how the ice cream sinks in the bottom better. But if you're a waffle cone person, go for it. I just find those to be a little more drippy, you know, okay. at the bottom. You don't have, I find it hard to believe that you don't have a like strange hatred for waffle cone people. No, I mean, they they are larger in general. And so I can see the argument of accommodating more ice cream, and I could never okay. argue that, you know? Okay, okay. Um, it's a personal preference. So to each their own, as long as you can get all the ice cream in there that you need. And you need two scoops because you have to get two different flavors. Got it. I, I just know you as a judgy person, so that's... Uh, I, I keep my, I reserve my judgments for the important stuff. Got it, got it. So the... The key here is you need your ice cream to be two scoops and you need one on the bottom and one on the top. No, no like side-by-side bullshit. So if you get a cup, make sure you specify this. 
And on the bottom, you need a scoop of Graham Slam. Because that's going to have like a little bit of a crust flavor to it. Graham Slam. Graham Slam. It has chunks of graham crackers in it. Got it. And then on top of that, the second scoop has to be Huckleberry. And so then... What you have to do is you have to strategically take your bites so that you get a little bit of Graham Slam and a little bit of Huckleberry in there. Wait, how do you do that? Like, if one's on top of the other. Yeah, you have to eat where they meet, you know? Take <laughs> your bites in the middle. <laughs> you have to be smart about it. It takes a little practice. Um, and then every bite will taste like Huckleberry pie. It's amazing. Do you get it all over your face trying to eat in the middle of two scoops? If you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. What Plus, do we this call ice this? cream is just so good. Is it on the menu? Mm, I mean, all the flavors are just on the menu, and you just choose whatever you want. Uh. I don't think that specific combination is noted in any way. But um, this ice cream is just also the best ice cream in the whole world. It's my favorite, and it's hard to find. It's Wilcoxon's ice cream, which comes from a small town, Livingston, Montana. <laughs> yeah, I'm not lying. It's also the only other place that I've found it. I mean, I think you can get it in groceries and things in that area. But if you're not living there, like we are, even if you're living kind of close, which we are, you still can't get it here. But where else you can get it is if you are in Yellowstone National Park, it's their like official vendor ice cream. So all the concession stands in Yellowstone during the summer also have this ice cream. Got it. But Har- I think it tastes Harper's down there making noise. She likes it. She likes it. She's going to have it this summer. Um, I do think something about it, though, tastes the best after a long day of climbing. At Dirty Sally's. Do you have a name for this concoction? Heaven? <laughs> because I don't, Huckleberry, Huckleberry You pie and I both are people cone. that love to smush names together and give different yeah, names. So I what should. is this? I think there needs to be a play off of Graham as in grandmother, grandma. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but it's the best. And I mean, sometimes they're out of flavors. I think they run out of Graham Slam pretty frequently because it is that good. So you may have to make some substitutions, which I've had to do in the past, which I don't prefer, but you got to do what you got to do. So I don't know. I wish everybody the best of luck that they will be able to experience this. If you think that you're going to run out of time, go in the morning before you go rock climbing. Get a little boost for your day. It doesn't have to be at the end of the day. Make sure you check their hours. Dirty Sally's hours can be a little wonky sometimes depending on the day of the week. Just do what you can. Prioritize it. Prioritize yeah. the ice cream. Get your grandma's huckleberry pie. Yeah, it's so good. Gra- gra- I'm grandma's about it. huckleberry pie. It's the best part of every 10 slip, sleep trip I've ever taken. Every time. Bye. Not the rock climbing, the ice cream. The rock climbing is great. The ice cream is phenomenal. Okay. Well, we're, we're going back to the episode now. Okay. coffee are there coffee shops um so dirty sally's has coffee as well got it so you can get coffee there Um, okay okay that's kind of it though there's not much to do in 10 sleep if you're looking for like fun activities that are not outdoor related yeah there is thermopolis is how far away do you know uh, I don't know, but that's like between here it's and between there. between here so. and there, so probably an hour, yeah, hour plus hour, a little. So. And Thermopolis is a cool little hot springs town. Yeah, that's um, definitely that an option too. has like pools that are fed by the thermal mm-hmm. hot springs. And so they're in different different temperatures. Some are really hot. Some are more like swimming type mm. pools, but none are cold, cold water. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of neat and fun. And there's a lot of... Um, 
fossils and dinosaur stuff in the museums there. I've actually never gone there. It's a pretty neat little area to explore. Feels really touristy. So Mm -hmm. if you're in for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo is an option too. Like if you... I don't know if I've ever been to Buffalo. Yeah. So that's like east of Tensleep. So you actually drive up over the mountain pass and it's really scenic drive. Mm. Um, And Buffalo is a little bit bigger of a town. So they've got a couple grocery stores. They have a couple coffee shops. They have ice cream as well. And there's a public pool there that is free that also has free showers. And so that's nice too. Cool. Yeah. What's the camping situation like in Tensleep? Um, so there's the Ten Sleep Rock Ranch is like the hub, the scene hub. If you're not into uh, camping in the same place as a ton of other people, uh, the old highway that kind of parallels the newer highway that goes up the canyon is just a dirt road that you can camp anywhere along it, basically. Um, they generally have, during the busy season, they'll have a couple of porta potties along the the old road, which is really nice, and you should definitely use those if you're camping in that area. Um, and at the bottom of the canyon, like right at the start of the old highway, there is a Forest Service campground as well. Mm. Um, and there you can actually camp for free in the off-season, like when it's closed. So you won't – like when it's open, there's a, a campground host and there's water and stuff like that. Um, there's like a dumpster to use, but – the amenities get taken away in the off season and you can camp there for free, which is pretty nice. Cool. Um, And I know, I know that the rock ranch has, you know, Wi-Fi and showers and kind of a shared, um, like cook space, I think. Um, there's a sink and a fridge that are shared. Is that what it is? Yeah. There's not, uh, like a kitchen space, but the Creek hang there is awesome. Like Mm. they've, they've built benches and stuff there so it's a it's a good spot to like go hang out if you're on a rest day and you want to be able to have wi-fi there's no cell service in the canyon which is something i haven't mentioned yet um that's something to keep in mind Uh, i didn't realize there was no cell service there so it's kind of i love it rifle (laughs) rifle esque in that way it's so great yeah you can just go and unplug for a few days yeah it's nice nice that you can get wi-fi in there Mm mm-hmm when there's no cell service. I'm I'm all about no cell service, but no Wi-Fi is really hard for me to spend more than an totally. afternoon in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. If I can't work, it's it's game over for me. Yeah. So Yeah. And in the busy season for the camping, if like like the Rock Ranch will fill up for sure. You can make reservations there at certain points in the year. Um but if that's full and you drive up the old road and that's also pretty full, um, because there's not there's a lot of sites along the old road, but some places are more flat than others. And if you're like camping in your car or looking for a good tent spot, then there's a chance that on the busier weekends, like that will fill up as well. Um, there's, if you keep dry, driving higher up in the canyon, there's all sorts of forest service roads and stuff like that. Mm, so you can always cool. find something. Yeah. Wyoming's a, a pretty easy there. state to camp in. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the Western states are not so easy. Yeah. Um, Wyoming's pretty chill. There's also a local climbers coalition, the Bighorn Climbers Coalition, that mm-hmm. I think we should uh, definitely mention. You know, those folks do a lot of work in that area for access and replacing bolts and things like that. So mm-hmm. Trail work. Yeah. There's generally a couple at least days of doing work at the tra- on the trails or at the crags because some of the crags have pretty, like, bad erosion at this point Mm. um so they'll go up and build platforms and stuff like that so it's a little bit nicer yeah so consider 
you know, looking into those folks and donating to the Bighorn Climbers Coalition. And we'll have a bunch of uh, a bunch of other details in the blog post about guidebooks and uh, restaurants in town and places to stay, closest airports, things like that uh, in that blog post. So the links will be right there in your show notes. Go check those out if you've got a, a trip coming up or considering a trip and looking at the logistics. I'm psyched now. So, You guys, I got Chris Hampton psyched on sport climbing. <laughs> it's so happening. I, I think I'm going to see you there in September. <laughs> um you're going to have to remind me because I'll get psyched in another direction before then. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll remind you. But as of right now, I'm psyched to get to 10 sleep. Great. So, <laughs> thanks for this. I, I appreciate you sitting down and chatting about it. I, I love hearing about the places that people love, mm-hmm. especially if I haven't been there. So thanks. Yeah, of course. Okay. Don't forget to check out the trip prep plans for both Wild Iris and for Ten Sleep. Taylor applied her expertise to the Ten Sleep plan, so you can expect to see some of the drills and concepts that we talked about here, as well as many more. And these are eight-week programs tailored to the specific demands of the area. The first week is a prep week, and then seven weeks of training that builds strength and stamina, followed by power and power endurance that then tapers into your trip so that you can show up prepared. We have three levels of each program, 511, 512, and 513, so that you can find the one to fit you. You can find those at powercompanyclimbing.com slash trip dash prep or at the link in your show notes. You'll also find ways that you can work directly with Taylor, either through us or through her company, Tangent Climbing, and links to follow her on the socials. We are Power Company Climbing on the Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, but never the Twitter. Because we don't tweet, we scream like eagles.